When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Action Fanatics, welcome to the Arnold Schwarzenegger edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain, and joining me, a man who was once 100 feet away from Arnold Schwarzenegger at the Arnold Classic, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, how's it going? It's going well. Let me just let you know that it was at least 100 feet because someone told me I shouldn't come within 100 feet of him. So it was more, more than 100 feet. Okay, very good. Uh, if any lawyers are listening, Chad uh, stuck to what he was supposed to do. Thank you. And returning to the Bulletproof Podcast, it's Ryan Campbell. Ryan, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Brain, you delivered that intro with a little extra gusto. I think you're really uh, dialed in for this one. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a special edition. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. The man deserves it. Is there anybody that would have a Mount Rushmore of action heroes and not have Arnold on it? Uh, if they they don't know what they're talking about, if they don't, Putin, well, he would just have Steven Seagal four times. Yeah, well, three times and probably himself. Himself, Putin may, yeah. Putin may have liked Red Heat. That's true. He may have. Yeah. All right, but before we get into our Arnold Schwarzenegger countdown, I want to uh, share some feedback we got all the way from South Wales in the United Kingdom. Lee uh, had a suggestion for a future. Uh, episode of the Bulletproof podcast where he would like us to do a deep dive on Scott Adkins, uh, possibly one of his undisputed sequel or the sequels. Obviously that's where he kind of kicked in and uh, or one of his many films he did with Jesse V Johnson. So I I think that's a a pretty good idea. A lot of great uh, options to choose from there, Chad. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I know I've seen all the undisputed films. There's probably a few Scott Adkins movies out there that I still haven't seen yet. Um, But I'm all for it. I, I think it'd be fun to jump in and, and uh, maybe we, you know, maybe we can get some Scott Atkins interaction. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he would retweet it. Maybe. Who Ryan knows. Campbell, I know you're a, a big Scott Atkins fan as well. I am. Yeah. Mostly more of his newer stuff. Uh, a lot of VOD stuff that since I've started writing for the site that I've gotten to do, but, but uh, yeah, I've become quite the fan. So Lee, you can guarantee yourself that we will cover Scott Atkins here in the future. Um, and Lee reached out to us on Instagram at Bulletproof Action. You could do the same. We're also at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter. And of course, it was social media and our followers there that really helped create this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast because we threw the challenge out there. Give us your top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. 
all the individual lists were compiled and now we've created a top 10 and it is going to be our Arnold Schwarzenegger countdown. So without any further ado, get to the countdown. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Number 10. It is red heat released on June 17th, 1988. This one just edged out eraser. I mean, by one point to make the list and, uh, interesting one a team up movie which arnold didn't do too many of those um he's a russian cop who teams up with chicago cop jim belushi to go after a georgian drug lord and this of course is not the georgia where our very own rtg hails from uh but the country of georgia but Ah. you know i would like to see arnold go up against rtg any day of the week do you think he'd have a chance there i bet rtg has some crazy connections down there here's a crazy connection for for this movie Directed by one of your favorites, Chad, Walter Hill. Yeah, Walter Hill. I mean, the dude has been around. Uh, Look at Walter Hill's filmography in the 80s. And Red Heat probably doesn't touch the top five. At least for me, it doesn't. But was I surprised to see Red Heat in the top 10? Mm, A little bit. Uh, It's been a few years since I've seen it. But um, I was always a big fan of uh, Jim Belushi. So any team up where you give like the – Belushi gets to play like that – uh, asshole Chicago cop and he gets the, the really stern disciplined Russian partner. I mean, it's pretty sweet. Really think about it. Well, yeah, it's, it's that odd couple pairing, which, you know, has been done time it's and time again, that, but, yeah. but if it's done well, who cares? And and this one definitely was done well. Um, Ryan Campbell, have you ever seen red heat or are you one of the people who is like, where is this movie? I have seen it. It's been a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think just it's it's kind of interesting now looking back at it in his body of work. I mean, that's that's eighty eight. I mean, that's right on the heels of Predator, Running Man. Yeah, um, and in, and it was kind of one of his first times. Not only you mentioned Brain doing a buddy film, but kind of getting out of like the genre film kind of thing. I mean, not sci fi or you know Aliens or Terminator. Or Pre- I meant Aliens is in like you know fighting predators, right. but running man terminator i mean doing kind of more genre type stuff into more of a you know what we would kind of see him do more of down the road so it was kind of a, a somewhat of a turning point in his career um right at like the height of his powers there in the late 80s so it, it correct me if i'm wrong but isn't red heat the film that starts out with him in like the uh the bathhouse yes that okay. is correct and Tiger Chung Lee of uh, WWF fame is in that scene. With oh, him. yeah. I remember, uh, wasn't Sven Ol Thorsen? Isn't he in there as well? Of course. I think he's pretty much in uh, yeah. just about every Arnold movie that uh, they could get him in. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked in every single Arnold film, I think. As I was saying, I mean, this is a movie that I don't think any of us have seen in a long time because I don't know where this movie is. Like, it's all these streaming services – I never, it never pops up. I have not seen it since we've been doing this site, which is going on six years. Yeah. Where are you red heat? Where are you? Yeah. I mean, you can buy it on prime video, but I mean, who, you know, with, like you said, with so many streaming services and uh, even now, like the DigiNets that have their own apps and stuff that have their whole libraries on it. It's, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I don't, you know, like I said, it's been a while and I don't know who, the who owns the rights to it if that has something to do with it but yeah it's it's a pretty obscure title all right well moving on to number nine this one was released on june the 18th 1993 it is lax last action hero easy for me to say 
And this one, Ryan Campbell, this was a meta movie before people were talking about things being meta. Yeah, definitely. Um, and almost, you could almost say a little ahead of its time. Um, I, I don't, I mean, in 93, I was, I was right at the impressionable young age at that time. And I, I don't really remember it being a huge deal. I obviously remember the movie. I remember the toys, um, but it didn't really like strike a chord with me at that age. Uh, and like I said, I think it was just a little bit ahead of its time with how it was kind of ton in cheek and, and meta. I don't, I, you know, if the, Doing something like that now, I think, would go almost much more better with audiences. What does anybody remember? What year Scream came out? Was that ninety five? That was later ninety. Was ninety seven? Okay, so that was like the first film that I can remember people talking about. Yeah, it, it's a movie that talks about movies. Ninety six. Um, Scream was ninety six. Okay, so this was before Scream, and you know, Wes Craven's been. He's gotten a lot of. Uh, acclaim for for having a horror film that was meta but even it was after last action hero and like you said i don't remember people talking about it when it came out all i remember when it came out was it it really wasn't an arnold it wasn't arnold enough you know it wasn't commando it wasn't you know uh terminator 2 it wasn't like this all-out ball-to-ball action film and i'm glad you mentioned scream because wes craven did another film kind of in that vein which was new nightmare but even that was a year later after last it was 1994 so um, talking about directors, though, John McTiernan, he's a, this was a reunion with, uh, uh, Arnold from a uh, predator. Yeah. And the, and the action sequences in it are amazing. Um, I, I love the, the sequence where, uh, he's being chased and he's in his, uh, the bad guys are in the Jeep and he has like one liner after one liner. And there's like things that blow up and the guy gets killed. Uh, Al Leon gets killed with an ice cream cone. ACDC is blaring in the background. Like, it's just so cool. And it's so cool that you're like, this could only happen in a film. And then you realize that, oh, this kid is actually watching this on screen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does things differently and it makes fun of itself for being ridiculous. You know, Arnold punches through a window in the real world, you know, finger quotes and like almost breaks his hand or something. So it teases itself for being stupid and silly at times, but if the kid wasn't so damned annoying, it probably wouldn't have been a massive hit. And I don't think that was necessarily a deal breaker though. In the early nineties, a lot of those movies, uh, you know, surf ninjas, three ninjas, uh, jingle all the way. Any of those movies you go back and watch them. The kids are, are insufferable. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And, And do you think they did this movie? So Arnold would have kind of that toy line, you know, so he could get more of that money too, because obviously most of his movies were, were geared towards the, an adult R, audience R rated. Um, yeah. There was some, you know, minor toys here, but he, he didn't have that big, like, Oh, this is going to be huge. Right. Let's make a bunch of money on toys as well as at the box office. That's possible. I actually saw a last section hero toy two days ago. Did you buy it? Yeah. No, it was at my mother-in-law's in like a box. And I was like, Whoa, little Arnold toy there. But yeah, being PG thirteen, I mean, it, it, I don't, I don't have it in front of me as how many PG thirteen movies he had done by ninety three. But, um, you know, True Lies was in ninety four, so I mean, it, it this was definitely out of it's kind of out of his realm at that time to, to to clearly try to cash in on the toys. So, does this movie deserve the hate that it gets? I would think it'd be more appreciated now than ever. Uh, I, I could see it getting hate. 
at the time. I, I think that was probably people probably, like I said, don't didn't understand it. It, it definitely, it definitely did. I mean, it, it was, it was the picture that was painted was, you know, Arnold was Teflon before this, and this was a bomb. I think maybe if his career, I don't want to say ended, but just got kind of sadder and sadder after that point, maybe. But I mean, he we saw, you know, how many times has he reinvented himself, had like a resurgence, and then gone back and done something that's a little bit more classic Arnold. So I think, you know, looking at it in the grand scheme of things, I, I think now it, it should kind of be more appreciated than, of course, it does have some 90s cheese to it that, you know, you just can't get over any any of those early 90s movies that you watch, like we mentioned earlier. But I think now more than ever, it kind of, you know, should be appreciated. Yeah, I think the main problem people had with it was he was almost like, it was almost a slap in the face of action fans because he's kind of making fun of the genre. But at the same time, he was making a really cool action movie. Well, so yeah, I guess I didn't look at it from that angle. Did was it kind of thought of like this was him selling out, possibly? Well, I mean, it's a movie full of like these stereotypes. I don't remember. I was ten years old when it came out. Um, I don't remember the conversation kind of going around about it. I just remember. Uh, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I remember seeing it shortly after. People were not excited for it, and I'd already seen all the Terminators to that point. I, you know, I'd seen Commandos and predators and stuff like that so uh, i was already a massive arnold fan and i can remember this film not getting loved at all all right number eight on the countdown this one was released on november the 13th 1987 the running man and ryan campbell i know one of the great mysteries of this film is the gambling scene have you been able to determine how that whole process works. <laughs> I have not. I've, I've written dissertations. I've, I've talked to my guys down in the desert, um, you know, studied at the feet of, of loan sharks that are in some pretty seedy places. I would never, you know, want any of you guys to have to visit. And I still cannot figure out how that system worked, but people were excited. They were buying in. They were, they were, they were ready to, to bet it all. I've heard that the harder you shake your fist with a, a wad of money in it, it has to do with the amount of money you're betting. That that's not as far as I got with any of my studies. So that was, I read that online. Yeah. Who was keeping track of all that? I don't. Just there was a lot of things being exchanged and not a lot of record keeping. So very <laughs> very interesting. Um, but uh, I love the Running Man. One of my favorites. Uh, great supporting cast. You got Maria Conchito Alonso. You've got Yafet Koto, who is awesome. I just love anything oh, with Yafet Koto. And but but the real surprise almost in this thing is Richard Dawson. I mean, I mean, obviously he was a legit game show host, but what a heel he was. I mean, one of the best villains in action movie history, as far as I'm concerned, just, I mean, he was all about the ratings. He was, I mean, maybe it's cause it was so real. Like you could believe there could be somebody like that, but Dawson stole the show for me. Yeah. He, he feels like he's untouchable and he knows it. So he's free to be as evil as, as anyone could be in that scenario. Yeah, and again, I think it's a popular theme we have of these movies that have, you know, how relevant they are today. The, with Between like Hunger Games, Battle Royale, uh, Battle Royale video games, uh, the idea of Running Man is just perfect for kind of where we're at now with, with our entertainment and kind of how we view the rich and the haves and the have nots. I mean, it just fits right in. There's a reason why it's on basic cable just about every weekend. And, and this was pre American gladiators too. And you got to wonder if this kind of inspired some of that because much like American gladiators, all the, the gladiators had gimmicks 
in names. The runners in Running Man, you had Fireball, uh, played by Jim Brown. You had Sub-Zero, who was Professor Toru Tanaka, Captain Freedom, Jesse the Body Ventura, Buzzsaw, Dynamo. I mean, these guys were were colorful characters. And, you know, it kind of makes me think uh, we should get all our, our friends over at Figures Toy Company. Here's another great uh, toy line. Oh, my gosh. Won. That's money right there. That's, that's a gold mine. It's been you untouched. Could do, you could do play sets and uh, oh. the, uh, the car vehicles and all kinds of stuff. It, you could put a couple of just kind of generic people in their little yellow jumpsuits that, you know, that the Maria Conchita Alonzo was wearing. Oh yeah. You remember that one, right? Yeah. I'm, I was waiting for you to mention that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes is where they slap her in that suit and then put Yafit Koto in a suit next to her. And you're like, Oh God, it looks so much better on her. A little bit more flattering on, on Maria. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a great, a great movie and just kind of, yeah, also the whole uh, fake news thing really that goes on in today's world with how they were manipulating the footage to make Arnold's character seem like he was the butcher of Bakersfield when really he was, you know, not. He was the guy saying, no, we don't want to kill these innocent people. Right. Kind of another movie a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. And yeah, based on the story by Stephen King. So I, I know the story is quite a bit different from the film, but uh I think a lot of those similar themes kind of run through the, the two of them. I know that there's a, the hero is much different in, in the story than he is in the, in the movie, but it doesn't make the movie any less amazing. And it's probably number two on my list of most rewatchable. Like I could just put it on the background and do my thing without having to sit there and stare at the screen. All right. Number seven on the countdown. It is true lies released on July 15th, 1994. Coming off the heels of Last Action Hero, this was almost a, a redemption story for Arnold Schwarzenegger and his fan base that did not approve of Last Action Hero. But there's one scene in particular that I'm just going to get out of the way because I know Chad Cruz is going to talk about it. So, Chad, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I'm a little worried that, that you didn't start with this. You, you went through this whole like date and uh, whatever. But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, plays the, the timid glasses wearing short hair skirt wearing and we've learned from film that if you have glasses i mean you're just a, a plain jane right, right. Movies, have, movies have taught us that so jimmy curtis plays the plain jane mother of i don't know two kids maybe is there a boy just I just a girl. I think definitely a daughter yeah definitely a daughter definitely a daughter anywho she's the mom that never does anything exciting and then all of a sudden she gets an opportunity to uh be a part of uh, like a sting operation. Now she doesn't do it willingly, but when she gets the opportunity, she, she takes it by the balls, by the shaft, by everything. Wow. Yes. Not so, the horns? Not the horns, balls and shaft. The dance scene in that film, uh, it probably turned a lot of 12 and 13 year old boys into men or what they thought were men. Um, but yeah, there's, there's uh that's one of the first times as a youth i can remember being like whoa now that is a thong that, that affected your balls and shaft is what you're it saying it certainly did uh it still does and she uh she never like loses character like the whole scene is her dancing very seductively while arnold sits in the shadow watching her and tries to like play it cool but she continues to to progress her character throughout the scene while also providing uh erections for men all over the world 
So I don't know what kind of presidential award you can give her, but slide in her way. I think that the, the biggest testament to how this movie works is the scene where she drops the gun and it bounces down the stairs, and <laughs> takes out every bad guy, and you know it's corny, you know it's cheesy, and you just don't care. Like it's it, it just I think that that scene alone is kind of one of those things right. that could have broke that movie and just made it like, are you kidding me? And all those guys get up out of their seats and leave again. But that feels like it was cut from Last Action Hero. Right, right. And they, but I think they've built it up so much in the story and the character work that goes into it the, that when that payoff happens, you know, you're, you're in at that point. You're, you might laugh and chuckle about it, but it doesn't break the movie for you. You're, 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 in, you're on board by that point. And, and is this the movie, I mean, Tom Arnold's character, is this the movie that kind of establishes the, the guy in the chair character in these types of movies where he's kind of the, the tech support? I don't know if it started it, but he definitely like made it. And, you know, with the wisecracking. Right. Like, yeah, he made it an important part of the movie. He's not just right. some afterthought. And what about their boss, uh, Nick Fury? I mean, Charlton Heston with an eye patch. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool if your boss is Charlton Heston wearing an eye patch. And you also got Bill Paxton, Tia Carrera. I mean, the great, great cast. Yeah. Another Jim, Jim Cam- James Cameron movie. Um, the first one on this list so far, there'll be more, um, but spoiler alert. Yeah, there'll be more, <laughs> but it just shows you like what an amazing director can do. And not only the action scenes, like phenomenal, like there are things that happen in these action scenes that don't happen in any other movie. You know what I mean? And that rarely happens in action movies, especially in 94 because the eighties were so great and so many awesome things happened in the action movies. But by 94, you're not doing a lot of fresh ideas with an Arnold, you know, Arnold movie. He's done so many great movies already, but Jim Cameron can pull stuff out of people like you wouldn't believe. I think it kind of merged the two Arnolds together. Cause at this point he'd done, you know, his hardcore action stuff. And then he'd done some more like family man, like offbeat comedies where like, you know, he's, it's, it's kind of funny cause this guy has an accent and he's giant. And he's, you know, trying to fit like in a normal world. And it's kind <laughs> of like, took the two and fused them together, you know, and, and hit both just perfectly. I think um, of kind of bringing those two sides of Arnold that he's he obviously one that he was successful in one that it seemed like he kind of wanted to experiment in and then just kind of shoved them together. It still has a lot of questions to it. So Arnold is still jacked. He's still big and muscled out. And I don't remember what his job was, but he was like a, uh, you know, pencil pusher. And when does he have time to just like work out and get all juiced up? And why are his family like not surprised when he comes home and like, oh my God, you're a massive guy. Like you're huge. Right. <laughs> when are you going to the gym? Like, I don't get it. Where are all these scars coming from? <laughs> or or the fact that like Jamie Lee Curtis kind of pitches him like he's boring. Like, yeah. you know, like, like he's supposed to be this mild mannered, boring guy that would never, right. he's like, what? He's this giant muscle bound guy. And she just acts like, you know, he's uh he's so dull and boring. <laughs> but maybe, you know, he was doing the same thing to her and she obviously, you know, that body wasn't going to quit. Oh boy. Here we go. Um, I was going to say one of the, it has one of the greatest finales uh, of any of Arnold's films with the demise the old you're fired scene. I mean, like you said, maybe at that point everything had been done, but I think some of the advancements in technology allows a scene where a guy is attached to a missile 
to go flying through a building and then into a helicopter and explode. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you could could have done that in the 80s. He didn't, they didn't do it in Conan the Barbarian. And I'm sure could do it in 1994, and it was an amazing scene. And, and yeah, maybe the, the, the best Arnold final villain kill of them all. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's a testament to Cameron and then his ability to make movies that are timeless visually. I think he's so ahead of the, the game on everybody with how he shoots things and how he structures things that where some stuff looks dated when you go back and watch it, you know, this fits in. It, it doesn't look that bad if you watch it now compared to movies that they make. So I think that was a testament to Cameron. You know, there is something to be said. I think there's a discussion around it of how it depicts uh, Middle Eastern people and some of the stereotypes. But you know that was that was action movies. We can I think I think everybody our, our audience can kind of look past that. Yeah, I think that you, yeah, if you go back in history, you're going to be really pissed off if you're one of those people who gets mad at everything. But I think that it, you're you're dead on with, with about Cameron. And he has an eye for obviously for visuals, but he has a sense of humor too. So like everything, even when Arnold gets in that jet at the end and he's like trying to take off in it and Tom Arnold's like, Oh, he's a great pilot, the greatest pilot. And he's like telling these guys like, Oh, don't worry about him. He's flown thousands of hours. And he's like, sorry. And he's like bumping into everything. I mean, that's just, it's amazing. Number six on the countdown released on May 14th, 1982 Conan, the barbarian. This one really Arnold's first big feature film. Um, I, you know, you almost forget that this one came before Terminator because Terminator was such a, uh, such a huge hit, but Chad, I know this one is one of your personal favorites. Yeah. I've always loved Conan the Barbarian. Uh, part of it I think is just because it's like such an epic film, um, you know, from the, the music to like the landscape, you, you watch it and you feel like you're in a different place at a different time. It, it really kind of sucks you in and the fact that Conan isn't this super fleshed out character, we don't know everything about him. We, you know, we get to meet his family and, and we get 11 minutes of his, his kind of growth. And that's all we need to know to know that he is like a bad dude who wants revenge. So it, it, there's no really like time wasted. It just kind of gets straight to jacked Conan in the pursuit of vengeance. Yeah. When William Smith is your father, you, you're you're going to probably grow up to be a badass. Genetics, yeah, you're you're going to be pretty awesome at some point. Yeah. So with Conan, uh, you know, eighty two. Um, to date myself, I was born in eighty six. So by the time I got around the age to, to Conan come across, you know, I remember it always already kind of looking a little dated to me. And I didn't really. I was not a big He Man kid growing up. I wasn't a big, uh, you know, I was much more sci fi, uh, space kind of stuff. So. You know, obviously, I've watched it. You know, as I've gotten older, just to to fill out my, I don't know, I'm looking for, what's where I'm looking Arnold for. filmography. Yeah, the filmography of Arnold, but but uh, you know, I don't really have too many fond memories of it. I, obviously, I, I I recognize its importance, um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't wasn't it just a huge Conan fan. I'm glad you brought up uh, He Man and Masters of the Universe because there is the the urban legend that Mattel was actually making. Conan the Barbarian toys but then when they saw the final product and it's very R-rated material they were like nope we're out of here but they've already made this stuff and thus born was born He-Man and the Masters of the Universe I don't I don't know if that's ever been proven but I mean it's a a good story 
It's a good story. It's one of those things that I don't know if it just makes too much sense, but it, when you look at it, when you when you stand, you know, ten feet back and you look at the movie, you look at the toy line, it'd be hard pressed not to think that there's some connection. And you could definitely see there, you know, knowing this was Arnold's first first major movie, you know, they they gave him some some great people to work with: James Earl Jones, Max von Sydow. Uh, then he had his first love scene with uh, one Sandel Bergman. Mm. You have something to say about that, Chad? Well, she was, you know, uh, if you're going to like uh, force mate two people in a film to create like a genetic freak of a person, Sandel Berkman and Arnold Schwarzenegger would be two that you'd put together. And it kind of, you know, they, they, they're, they're comrades in the film. You know, Conan goes through all kinds of shit to get where he is. And then he meets up with a couple of the thieves and uh, they hit it off, of course. And she is like, the warrior, the only warrior chick that could kind of tame him. She's like, yeah, she's kind of the female Conan. So, Oh yeah. And she's badass. And it's only, I think towards the end of the film that, yeah, maybe, maybe for his character, even that he appreciates how badass she is, you know what I mean? Because he kind of goes through some stuff towards the end. And then uh, his whole rescue situation with, with the, with the girl from James Earl Jones character. And it's, it's really Sandal Bergman who carries uh, a lot of the kind of middle section of the film because she obviously is an actress compared to Arnold. Who's like a, just a big oaf. Right. No, you know, he's, he's great in the scenes where he just swings a sword and he chops this giant snake's head off. And the world building of Conan, the barbarian is my favorite part because you're in these towers and there's these, all of a sudden there's a giant snake and there's like a snake cult and these weird guys with these crazy helmets. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Um, but I don't get, exposition shoved in my face. I don't get origin stories shoved in my face. I don't need to know all these things. All I need to know is there's a snake cult led by James Earl Jones. And now they're trying to kill Conan the Barbarian. That's pretty, that's enough for me. I do look forward to the podcast where we do the countdown of forcibly mated action <laughs> and heroes. And I, I look forward to that one. I hope I'm on that one. <laughs> Maybe a good Valentine's Day edition. Of- it's going to be controversial. <laughs> yeah, that may be the one that gets us to bust through, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> you talked about, you know, Arnold not being a, a great actor, obviously, at the, especially at this stage. I mean, this again, his first real major film. But the the scene where he's praying to Crum, uh, that's gold. Absolute gold. I've never played to you before. There we go. Do, yeah. Can you do the whole thing? No, I can't. Give me five minutes. I can look it up and and read it. But no. At the end of it, doesn't he say something like "To hell with you"? <laughs> to hell with you. If you do not listen to me, to hell with you. Yeah, I mean, that's wonderful. It's and just the idea that there's this religion based around this like like god of war, like Krom is like the god of swords or something. You know what I mean? The god of iron or steel, and. You know, like at different times throughout the movie, he's just like, ha, like screams it. And he's attacked by dogs at one point. There's just so much weird shit in the movie. And and the way it's shot and filmed and John Milius is like controversial character in itself. Like he's just, it's really cool film. It was made in 82. And I mean, you watch the the recent remake of Conan the Barbarian. It's got some cool scenes in it, some cool parts. Maybe it's more. It might be closer to the actual character of Conan the Barbarian or Conan, but it just, as a film, it just doesn't touch it. It's nowhere near it. 
All right, well, number five on the countdown, released October 4th, 1985, Commando. And I'm a little bit surprised that it's number five. I would have seen this uh, uh, in the top three, but uh, I think that just goes to show the quality of movies that Arnold was putting out. But Commando, some people, not me, but some people consider it the greatest action movie of all time. Yeah, like you said, I think it, it speaks to the the amount of just drop dead hits I, I you know there's and i think now we're getting into the fun territory where you can kind of shuffle them around and people are going to have you know like a, like what we have at number one could people some people are probably gonna think could be number five so uh it's getting into the fun part here and and they're going to be interchangeable for certain people but and yeah definitely laid the groundwork and really kind of um you know set up following coming out of Terminator, kind of what he was going to do going forward. Yeah. And I think Commando, man, I, I love Commando. It's, it's number one for me, as far as rewatchability of any Arnold film, I can put it on. I don't, I know every line. I know everything that happens in it. I don't have to watch it to know what's going on and enjoy it. And I, it's d- definitely in the running for the, to me, the greatest action movie ever made. But I th- would say it is potentially the greatest superhero movie ever made. And I say that because oh. Jeff Loeb, who wrote the film is a big uh, superhero comic book dude for DCs. Uh, I know he did a lot of Superman and Green Lantern stuff over the years. And he, uh, at one point he was in control of like all their, uh, I think their TV or their film projects for DC, but he wrote the movie and he essentially wrote it as a superhero film that just so happened to not be about a superhero, but a guy who was just so badass that he was, you know, like a superpowered being. So I would, I would go with that. One of the best superhero movies, but you would really have to, uh, to bring a lot of proof for me to say it's the greatest action film ever made. And one of the things we talked about with the last action hero, you know, the, the young, the child star in it and how kids in action movies are 99.9% of the time annoying as hell. But, to me, this is the exception to the rule because Jenny Matrix, I'm never annoyed by her. Maybe it's because it was played by Alyssa Milano. I don't know, but I don't. She was. I mean, she held her own. I mean, she was the daughter of John Matrix for sure. Yeah, you definitely have to nail it in a rated R movie. I mean, you get a little more wiggle room when you are pushing PG PG thirteen because you know you're you're trying to attract a kid audience. But when you go rated R and you're you're appeasing to you know, hardcore action fans and especially, you know, a, a very early career. He had Terminator at the time, but it still could have all gone south pretty quickly for Arnold. So uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight on her, you know, young shoulders there to carry that role. Yeah. And I, I think that part of how the reason it works so well is because she had already been in the business and Arnold and her really hit it off like on set, you know, the, making the film Arnold was super early in his career and uh, I don't remember what it was, but they said like his training was just ridiculous. And they said like he was like a second degree black belt just from training for this film, uh, the equivalent of that. So he was like spending lots and lots of time with, with Alyssa Milano. And they said that like they'd go on lunch break and they would eat lunch together. Like there was a lot going on there that, that, that was just, that would help their characters on the screen and, and, and make it seem more believable. And she wasn't just some little girl who was getting paid to pretend but yeah, I mean, she's as far as like little kids in movies, she's probably one of the memorable as one of the best. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think you, you, you brought it up too. the, the just the chemistry between the two of them, they really yeah. did seem like father and daughter. It wasn't 
forced, like, oh, I'm pretending to be your dad, or it just it seemed natural. So, and she's like naive and uh, innocent, and then she doesn't have that moment in the film where she's like really like, where she just like drops an f bomb or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think towards the end she's like, well, my dad's coming to get you or something like that, but she doesn't have. I think about like kids in movies and they're like Eddie Furlong, like, Oh, he's always like, he's annoying, but then he tries to like sound like he's an adult and it always kind of ruins it for me. But yeah, I think that Alyssa Milano, they hit it right on the head with her. And, and Radon Chong, excellent in this is kind of the, the woman who's pulled into this situation and she also, you know, holds up her end of the deal. Yeah. I mean, she's, what, what do they say about the, uh, the new star Wars films, Ryan, they, what do they call uh, Ray? Mary Sue. Mary Sue. If anybody's a Mary Sue, it's Ray Don Chong. Because she's got like a super fast car that's able to get in a car chase and chase people. And then she can fly a plane so she can fly Arnold to where he needs to go. So she knows right where this gun store is. And she fires a rocket launcher you know, uh, behind her on accident, but still ends up like helping. So she Mary Sue's the shit out of this movie. <laughs> And of course, you also have Vernon Wells and his his fashion choice, which is one of the more memorable uh, aspects of this film. Um, Vernon Wells plays a guy who used to be uh, on the same side as John Matrix. And now kind of there's a bit of a rivalry there. And he's using this op- uh, opportunity to kind of exact some revenge on his old buddy Matrix. Yeah, poor Vernon Wells. I don't know if this movie helped him much career wise. <laughs> he doesn't get jobbed out on it, but... He looks so ridiculous with that chain mail vest. I just kind of got to feel bad for the guy. Like he's like whiny in it. Like it should have been me, John. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, sorry, Vernon, you're kind of a bitch in this movie. (laughs) One of the big things too, is the the tease at the end, the sequel tease. Obviously it never happened, but we uh, had our episode should have had a sequel and Ryan Campbell, this one should have had a sequel. Yeah. And it's hard to, I mean, I know when we were doing research for that, we were diving into trying to figure out kind of some backstory. Um, I don't recall what the backstory was on that one, but I don't know if Arnold just got caught up doing other stuff. And at the time he really wasn't doing sequels until it got the Terminator two. I don't really think he was doing any other sequels. Well, he had done Conan the destroyer, but that did not do well. So maybe that, you know, it was part of the, the reason right. he kind of was avoiding uh, sequels. I've been wrong before, but I do remember or recall at some point reading that, uh, the original treatment for Die Hard was written as a John Matrix sequel. I have heard that as well. So yeah. whether that's true or not, I couldn't say. But uh, yeah, I mean, the ending with Power Station playing in the background, there's no chance. You know what I mean? Like, it's so perfectly set up for a second film. But it makes me happy to know that they didn't go back to it. and They, did, they just left it. Well, you know, and that could be one of the reasons this one is so beloved. Because you, yeah. I think as we get into it, maybe the Terminator gets a little tarnished because they kept going back. And there did seem to be an, an effort on Arnold's end, whether it was from him or people that were, you know, his handlers or his, his team. I don't know if maybe they were just, just warning him about, you know, he seemed to, to definitely be conscious of how far he would go into being kind of pigeonholed into certain roles, which is kind of a joke because he became an action icon, but you can see throughout his, his career, him him making big swerves and trying to take chances and do different things. And I wonder also, how much did his rivalry with Stallone have to do with it? Because Stallone was obviously 
very much associated with two characters, Rocky Balboa and John Rambo. And beyond that, it got real muddy for him. So maybe he was just trying to be the anti Stallone and try to do as many different things as he could, as opposed to just going back to the same well over and over again. Yeah. I mean, that very well could have been it. You know, he's a, is, you know, he grew up in Austria, got into bodybuilding, moved to America, became the best at that, got into action films, became the best of that, got into politics, became a governor. Like he, he's, he's a guy who doesn't kind of rest. Uh, he's kind of always just trying to reinvent himself. So maybe, maybe at this point, you know, he had made a few films that had done well. And uh, maybe he just thought it was time for kindergarten cop. Right. Right. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, number four on the countdown, it is total recall. This one was released on June 1st. 1990 uh another bit of sci-fi arnold action and uh let's just get this one out of the way chad cruz the three-breasted hooker um i'm not i'm not familiar what do you mean you never saw the three-breasted nah, I'm hooker? Just kidding. i remember that yeah of course i remember that uh one kid who saw total recall didn't remember that and then instantly questioned his father like dad is that real is that, <laughs> is that possible <laughs> forced a lot of conversations <laughs> <laughs> this is America. Anything can happen, and he's and he was right. He said that, and he was right. A good doctor can create anything, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It wasn't real. And we've get the the heel from RoboCop, or one of them anyway. Ronnie Cox. He he just does a tremendous job. I mean, he's either going to be the police chief, or he's got to be the the most evil businessman of all. Either which way, Ronnie Ronnie Cox delivers. Well, then with Michael Ironside as his right hand man, who's just you know legendary villain as well. See you at the party, Richter. Yeah, I, again, I almost feel like there should be a ability on DVDs of Total Recall to put your local, you know uh whatever station in the corner because i feel like if i see total recall without a star 64 logo in the lower corner it, it's almost not total recall because uh, like i said it's it's one of those movies that is still aired constantly you can find it just about anywhere it's just classic and and the way that it it kind of almost like inception with dreams in the dream and you know you don't know which way is up and who to trust and up you know which way is down uh it just it's a classic yeah movies movies that have been around as long as total recall has that still have question marks on them as far as like, oh, was he lobotomized and he was dreaming all this or did this actually happen? Did, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's the fun thing about film and good film that is, is you can watch it 30 years later and have a discussion with a friend who's never seen it and say, what do you think happened? And then, you know, maybe you pop on the, the, the Paul Verhoeven uh, commentary and hear his weird ass explanations of things. <laughs> That are very often uh, not what they probably were in 1990. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's a really fun film and it's a fun one to watch with people because there's so much weird shit in it. And it has so much restraint. I mean, the idea that they introduce the, the concept of aliens and building these these things and they never... They don't ever go beyond that. They don't have the aliens show up at the end. They don't, uh, you right. know, it's just, it's just, that's just the structure for how this you know, world is, is that we're watching is built in. And of course, a great role for Sharon Stone, who uh, plays yeah. his wife. And there's some more air quotes for you. But, uh, uh, and then Rachel Tikatin, who was his love interest, who, you know, he's kind of in, caught in the middle between these two. And I guess that there's, there's worse places to be. Yeah. And, and uh, Paul Verhoeven really tried to get Sharon Stone to do some nude scenes in this. And she refused, which is bizarre sounding to me now. But because right, uh, I think she posed for Playboy 
kind of in the hype for this movie. So yeah, it was, it was a bit bizarre, but I also heard that Paul said he got her back. Uh, yeah. In, in a basic instinct. Should I watch that? Should I watch that movie to review it? I will. Thank you. <laughs> Number three on the countdown, October 26, 1984. It is the Terminator. And this is the movie that really put Arnold Schwarzenegger on the map and really a movie that influenced a lot of movies to come. I mean, you think about movies like cyborg, Universal Soldier, RoboCop, and then even some of the the cheaper direct-to-video stuff like Nemesis and Cybertracker. Terminator changed action movies forever. I would say even even common movies like Iron Man. The the idea of like seeing things inside a HUD from the POV of like you know the machine that was groundbreaking at the time. And like we've like we've said with James Cameron, I mean every you know he just knew how to put his mark on something and, and just change the landscape. Yeah, I mean, the film has so much going for it. It's got, like you were talking about, it's got the, kind of the, the cyborg, the robot connection. It also has the time travel connection to where these guys are coming from from the future uh, to change you know, their time by doing something in the past. And you might have seen that a little bit before this, you know, whatever that one book was. Uh, someone's not going to say it. H.G. Wells. <laughs> That's it. I'm a champion. <laughs> the time machine yeah i was waiting for someone to get the time machine <laughs> that's the one uh but yeah so they they dabble in so many different things in the terminator while also making a really badass noir horror action movie with a super strong female lead and an unknown hero yeah linda hamilton who, who then kind of had a whole career thanks to this movie yeah, who who's done that many things in one film? You know, in a hundred minutes. And I think it's 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 interesting that we mentioned time travel and how this movie and this this franchise, both good and bad, has kind of established its own kind of canon or theology of how time travel would work. And I don't know if it's just because the sequels were just terrible, and you know, or if it's a symbol of just how we are now as as a film going audience. That if the Terminator came out now, would we just dissect the way that time travel was presented? Would we just open up all these loopholes and talk about how it doesn't make sense and how this would never work? Or was it just like in the 80s, people just cared less? They were able to go sit down in the theater and just lose themselves in them. Well, yeah, you didn't have social media where you could gripe about everything and anything and then get either people to join you in it or fight you against it and just right. take suck the fun out of if you were going to go back in time, why wouldn't you go back to murmurs, you know, or whatever? That's my nerd uh, troll voice, by the way. That's pretty good. I liked it. You know, they, they, you're right. I think that they, it, it would be received differently now. I think that part of what makes it better is that they don't try to explain too much. Which is something the sequels have failed at. Because every time they do one, they try oh. to expand on it. And- Let me show you the machine. Look at it. This is how it works. Like, shut your freaking mouth. Like, Yeah, less is more. And, and I think that's why you know the Terminator worked. Because, yeah, I don't care. I mean, this is just cool. This guy is, yeah. is looking for Sarah Connor. And then you get Michael Bean, who also comes back to... to save sarah connor and right you throw lance henriksen in anything that's going to instantly make it good yeah and you could uh strong strong argument that this movie here at number three and the movie number two you could swap them you know everybody has an opinion and that that's great all right well you mentioned number two so let's get to it terminator 2 judgment day was released on july 3rd 1991 and i'm going to come out here right now and say this to me, this movie is a little overrated. And I say that you in the face. I, I say that. I mean, this is a, um, a, a amazing film. I'm not going to deny that. 
I mean, it was a, a huge I mean, visual masterpiece by James Cameron. Not going to deny that. But some of the things you've talked about, Chad Cruz, rewatchability. I don't ever have the need to sit down and watch T2. I don't know if it's the, the long runtime or what it is, but it's like, yes, it was an amazing film. I'm glad I've experienced it, but I don't get that that need. And if anybody else hates me for this you can uh hate tweet at chad cruz or mm-hmm. find ryan campbell on facebook because he likes to argue with people on there anyway right. so don't <laughs> bother me but i'm just saying i just to me i would put commando here personally but that's me i think the the thing about terminator 2 that sets it apart is it has one of the best baby face turns in in movies the idea of, of arnold coming back playing that character and in this time, he's the good guy that you get to cheer for against all the other other people. You know, I don't think that you can you can underestimate from a movie going audience how 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 awesome that was to see him and be able to root for him as opposed to kind of like, yeah, he's really badass. Why is he got to be the bad guy? You know, so and and add in, of course, like we've always said with James Cameron, the visual effects, the the T one thousand effects, the the liquid metal. You know, the idea of it could be anybody. Um, adding that level of terror. I remember just, just being a kid growing up, the idea of you know, never being able to forget when his, you know, foster parents or whatever, and the stab through the milk carton that, that always just stuck yeah. with me um, as a kid, even before I really, you know, kind of knew what I was looking at. I remember that scene. So uh, it, yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from that, that it's not a movie that like, you know, if I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I stop what I'm doing to watch, but it's it's i think you know it, it has like i said one of the best baby face turns in movies i'm gonna go ahead and say i think it's one of the greatest action films ever made would you like to expand <laughs> on that thought or is that all you had to say Bold stance. Bold stance. Bold. i'm there i'm in it any movie about time travel right time travel doesn't exist so you can poke holes in any film about time travel right that's right that's not that's easy right easy to say so but with this film Without being a dick and poking holes and everything, uh, that's what dicks do, right? Uh, they oh, oh. <laughs> <Bazinga>. <laughs> I, uh, this movie, yeah, the, the, if you follow the logic in it, it makes sense, right? So why do the good guys or the rebels or whatever send back this this Terminator? Because like they sent back a T-1000, so we got to like find the next best thing that we can do. A normal guy is not going to work, right? So we have to like change the programming on this dude, send him back to protect the kid. This is all we got. So it, it makes sense. Like it makes sense that he goes back. The idea that Linda Hamilton, who's like this amazing hero from the first film, she just like survived this whole ordeal and she's pregnant now. It's like, oh my God, this is going to be so crazy. Oh shit. She's in a psych ward. Like, oh man, like that's a pretty wild turn of events. Like you just put the hero of your movie the mother of, of the savior of humanity, <laughs> uh, not Jesus Christ. Um, but you put him, you put her in a freaking psych ward. Like that's a wild thing to do. So the movie does a lot of crazy things. The visuals are, are outstanding. They still hold up today, 30 years later. It made Robert Patrick like a known name, even though he didn't really do anything with it. <laughs> right. I, that, it was his high watermark and it was yeah. all downhill from there. But the action scenes are great. There's a lot of humor in it. I swear I would not kill anyone. You know what I mean? Like he, like Arnold's still Arnold. And I don't know. It's just, to me, it, the film is long, but Aliens was long. Um, Avatar's long. All these new movies are f- freaking long. You know what I mean? 
Jim Cameron has a lot to, he has a lot to do. <laughs> he just like wants to tell more story. So, but this, when, where I'm coming from is I can rewatch this shit over and over again. So I'm, I'm a little different than you. Well, I mean, obviously uh, 519 million, the highest grossing Arnold movie of all time, a huge hit. And, and again, I love the movie. I just, it's not a rewatchable movie for me. Don't know why. And maybe I do know why, because maybe this should have been the last Terminator movie. Have the other Terminators that have followed tarnished the first two? I think it depends on how you want to frame that question. So if we're going to go back to 1991, Terminator 2 is over, you know, the young uh, John Connor is saved. I think your natural inclination is to want to see what happens when he grows up and becomes this, this great leader that we've heard about. For, for two movies. So I think it, you'd be hard pressed to come out of that movie in 1991 and tell, tell anybody like, yeah, I'm done. I don't, I don't really care to see where this goes. Of course we have the hindsight of, of there being such a long break between three and, and them just nev- losing all direction with where, you know, of the world that they had built. Um, where it's easy now to say, yeah, in, in hindsight of what we eventually got, it should have been the end of it. But I don't think anybody at the end of Terminator 2 would have thought that that was the end or should have been the end. Yeah, and I think that even T3 has some good things about it. Uh, There's some cool scenes. You have some good callbacks and throwbacks to earlier films. But yeah, I mean, some of these newer ones they've made are just, you know, shit you line your birdcage with, like the script. Like just put it in there and let them shit on it. It sucks. And, and T3, like Nick Stahl... You're not a good actor. Like Eddie Furlong's not a good actor. Nick Stahl, also bad actor. Maybe the script was that bad. Maybe he's great. I don't know. This movie, dog shit. All right. Well, moving on. Yeah. Where where can you go from dog shit? Well, we're gonna go to the number one movie on our Arnold Schwarzenegger countdown. It was released June the twelfth, nineteen eighty seven. It is Predator, and is this the greatest? pure action movie ever there's no romantic subplot there's no kids it's testosterone filled and it is awesome and it is number one on my list so i'm glad it was number one on this list predator it doesn't get any better than that for me chad yeah you said it buddy um it's my favorite movie of all time it's got what i think is the best action star of all time it's got Probably one of the top three action directors of all time. Uh, it's got great music. Supporting cast is, they're all strong. They're all strong characters. None of them, every one of them is interesting in their own way. I mean, the least strong character in it is Shane Black. And he gets a pass because he wrote the thing. He wrote the goddamn thing. And he and he dies early, so he doesn't get as much development. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to go against it. It's yeah, definitely definitely number one on my Arnold list. So it, it it's a it's a you know across the board us and us and the fans all agree. Yeah, perfect movie. I don't if you're gonna have a list, it's a short short list of movies that you would say are perfect. And it's probably you know Godfather two for me. I would say like Empire Strikes Back, Predators on there. I mean, there's you can't there's not a hole that you can poke in this film. You've got, like you said, the t- testosterone, the camaraderie, uh, a legitimate badass threat that you both fear, but also think is just like the coolest thing you've ever seen on screen. Uh, it's creative. It's witty. It's funny. It's it's just it has everything. Yeah, I don't know what, what more you can really say about it, but it it is the the perfect film. And and this is one that's kind of the opposite of Terminator for me because there's been obviously Predator sequels and they have 
uh, lessened in, in quality as they went on, or they were kind of took things in a different direction. I don't know if maybe it's because Arnold wasn't in those or had anything to do with it. So this kind of still feels standalone. Um, but those other predators or the, or the reboot, it doesn't affect this movie at all. This movie's like Teflon untouchable. It can't be bad. Right. And, and you're right. I think part of that is because Arnold ha- hasn't had involvement and whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad he hasn't. Uh, when I was a kid, I didn't like predator two because Danny Glover was in, I was like, Oh, what, this is stupid. And then over the years says I've, watched it and watched it and watched it. I'm like, damn dude, this movie's sweet. And then after, you know, after that, it's kind of gone downhill. I did like the last two. I like the one with Adrian Brody and I like the, the last one. So predators, I agree. I predator sweet. The, the newest one, I, you, I don't know. You'd have to pay me some money to rewatch that one. That one. I've got some opinions on that that you wouldn't I mean, like. You like the most recent one, right? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I, Cause you know, I Ooh. went in there like knowing, Okay, this is not going to be my 1987 Predator. So right. just get that get get that out of your brain right now. If you're expecting that, you're you're just yeah, you just threw money out out the window. So I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it as much as Chad Cruz and some other people I know. But uh, yeah, again, have I gone back and rewatched it? No. So that it was kind of one of those one and dones. It was fine for what it was, but. I don't own it. I don't plan on owning it. And yeah, if I came across it on TV, I'd probably just move on to supermarket sweep or something else. I I would do a Mark Wahlberg marathon before I rewatch wow. that one. Don't ask me to do that, by the way. Uh, I won't. I won't. All right. Well, anything more on Predator? It's our number one film. Yeah, we've we've said a lot of good things about it. And, and I know Ryan mentioned it, but uh, it's one of the best action movies ever made, if not the best. And the creature design is still the best. Yeah, Stan Winston just killed it. Like unbelievable. No, no Dutch. Got to give him uh, credit where credits due because if they went with the original creature design, uh, mm. I don't know that we'd be ta- having this conversation right now. Yeah, and I mentioned this to to Brain offline, but um, we just went through a, a ten film list of Arnold's best movies, um, and what really jumped out to me was. The fact that he worked with so many awesome directors, John McTiernan, Walter Hill, Jim Cameron, uh, you know, Mark Lester, John Milius, like Paul Verhoeven. Like, you you want to be an action star? Work with the best directors in the action industry. Any honorable mentions? Anything that didn't make the list that you uh, would like to, to call out? Uh, I know Eraser was close. That was a fun movie. That was kind of like the beginning, the last one I really remember enjoying of his at the end of his like run. I like sabotage for what it was. I don't think it was great, but it was, it was okay. Ryan Campbell, you got any? Yeah. Um, I had a racer on my list as well. So, it, you know, that seemed to be everybody's number 11. Um, just for my own sheer joy, I had jingle all the way on there. Uh, just cause at my age, obviously it's an action movie, but being into toys growing up, I was a super big toy kid. Yeah. I was just thought it was that was kind of cool to, to put myself in those shoes that if my dad was this action star. Um, and then, of course, Herc in New York. How, how are you going to deny Herc in New York? If nothing else. I was going to say that Hercules in New York got one point oh. on, uh, out of the survey, and it was from me. Uh, <laughs> I love Hercules in New York. It is stupid. It, it is not a very good movie, but uh, it's just there's some, there's just a heart to it. And you know what? You, you got to wonder if he didn't do that, would it, all the other dominoes fall like they did. Who yeah. knows? And his, I think his best wingman 
Oh, Pretzi. I mean, Pretzi's awesome. Tom Arnold may have been witty and funny, but Pretzi, man, he he had this guy's back. <laughs> and he's wonderful. I love you, Pretzi. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. This was, of course, we did this uh, Arnold countdown in honor of his birthday. It's coming up on July the 30th. So happy birthday, Arnold, because I'm sure he's listening. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you definitely deserve this wonderful, wonderful episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. All right, guys, you got time for uh, a little Arnold survey. We're going to find out how Arnold you gentlemen are, if you're ready. Let's do it. Yeah, I've got like three minutes, so. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know you had a time limit here, Chad. Okay. Um, Ryan, Ryan Campbell. Yeah, I'm going to ask you both of this, but I'll start with you, Ryan, on this one. Have you ever appeared on a TV game show? I have not. Chad Cruz. I have not. I was in the interview process for one, but I've never appeared. Okay. I didn't know if you went on Cash Explosion. I believe they film it in your neck of the woods. Uh, no. My mom's been trying to get on that for like 20 years. <laughs> okay. I, was, well, I was featured on a Universal Studios Nickelodeon tour and was slimed. But it was, Whoa, that's pretty good. That, that's that's a yeah. half point. Yeah, did not make, but did not make TV. All right. Well, then, no, then it doesn't count. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, Chad, I'll give you this one first. Have you ever done the Dutch Dylan handshake with someone? I have, and I can tell you the exact moment I did it. All right, please do. I was uh, I was in Iraq. I was, you know, I was in the military. I was in Iraq, and a good friend of mine, who's now my uh, Edward Jones consultant, uh, I'll give you his information if you're interested. But he uh, he was away on leave, and he came back, and I was walking to the chow hall, and as he was walking towards the barracks, and we we locked eyes, and not a word was said, and as we got about two steps away from each other, I said, "Kevin, you son of a bitch!" Boom. And some doves flew in the background and there might've so been John a mortar, Wu was there. Okay. A mortar round went off somewhere and it was an explosion. It was, it was pretty epic. All right. Well, one for, for Chad Ryan Campbell. How about you? I don't think so. No, I'm going to say no. I may have done it ironically and ton in cheek of, of reenacting the, the move, but not like in a organic setting, um, like similar to Chad. So I'm going to give him that. One. I'm going to say no. All right. Number three. Have you ever worked in construction? Who are we going first? You can have it, Ryan. All right. I have. I've done both uh, metal roofing and currently uh, work at a solar uh, installation company. So I still, that's still kind of considered construction too. So I have. All right. Chad Cruz. I did. Uh, I worked in a commercial concrete company several years ago. All right, Chad. Here's, we'll give you this one first. Have you ever traveled back in time? And a bonus point if you've done so in the nude. Hmm. No, I can't say that I have. Okay, I, I didn't think so. Ryan Campbell. Um. Hmm. Yeah, think think hard. Does in a video game count? No. Then no, me as well. I'm not. All right. Well, how about this I, one, Ryan? I've been in the nude before. Well, <laughs> uh, it, it was contingent on doing it nude time traveling. I'm okay. All right, Ryan Cam, how about this one? If I ran naked across the time zone line, does that count? I guess it would. I guess it technically would. Uh, But if you haven't done it yet, we can't count it. I haven't done it. That would have been a good loophole, but I haven't done it. It it certainly. Or I guess if it was like uh, where the uh, clock falls back, if you had definitive proof that you were. uh, Never mind. Okay. Um, Have you ever smoked a cigar, Ryan Campbell? I have. Yeah. I didn't quite enjoy it, but, um, you know. 
I was uh, at someone else's house, and it was shortly after. I think my Lyle was born, and they offered it, and I partook. So I had yes, tradition. Cruise. I have not. I'm a I'm a very stubborn man. Okay, I'm a, I'll lose man points for this, but I'm a very stubborn guy, and uh, I went many years without using a tobacco product, and I refuse to use one now. Okay. I've gone too far. All right. See, now that one going in, I'm like, I don't know about Ryan Campbell, but that seems like something Chad would have maybe done once at least. But No, see, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. It was Ryan Campbell. I used to clean something. ashtrays when I was a kid. I'd help my dad clean this bingo hall. Uh, and he'd be like, you're on ashtrays because, you know, parent. Uh, so I, I grew a, a disgust for smoking. Understandable. All right. Uh, Chad, this one for you first. Uh, have you ever dressed up like a Batman villain? Hmm. That one. Hmm. I, that, that one I can't say for sure. I don't, I'm going to have to say no. Cause I can't recall a time that I have. Okay. Ryan Campbell. I have, it was right. a penguin and it was not my Halloween costume, but my sister growing up around Batman returns, um, was Catwoman. And I had stuffed a pillow up my shirt and put on one of my dad's like button up dress shirts. And I don't remember what else went along with it, but I was pretending to be the penguin. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Here's another one for you, Ryan. Have you ever gone on a vacation against your parents' wishes? I would say no, no, we, um, family vacations were a pretty big deal to us growing up. So like whenever we would watch movies and I would see the the kid who's like, Oh man, we have to go to the beach. I never, I never understood that because we would literally look all look forward all year to the family vacation. So I, I cannot say that I've ever been taken on a vacation against my will. How about you? Well, I, yeah, I'm just saying, did you go on one and your parents are like, I don't want you going there. This is oh. coming from Hercules in New York. Remember, Zeus oh, I gotcha. I did gotcha. not want Hercules to go down to Earth, but Hercules is like, screw you, Zeus. I'm going down anyway, and I'm going to cause all sorts of trouble in New York. So that situation never happened. Understood. And still no, no. My parents are pretty supportive of my vacationing decisions. Chad Cruz? Uh, yeah, this is a tough one. I don't, I don't think that I could. No, I'm going to say no. All right, here's another one for you, Chad. Have you ever won an election? Hmm. No. No. Not no, yet. No Chad Cruz homecoming queen or king? Uh, no, I don't I don't even remember who. I don't remember who got those. Ron Campbell, what about you? Have you ever uh, won an election? I've not. I ran for a student class president in grade school and I was up for prom king as well in my senior year and I lost them both. Mm, that's that's a shame. Here's <laughs> one I I'm will be shocked by for Ryan Campbell, but he shocked me already on this. Ryan Campbell, have you ever competed in a bodybuilding competition? <laughs> not, no. Chad Cruz, how about you? I have not as well. Okay. Last one. And we'll give this one to you, Chad. Have you ever wrestled a bear? Oh, uh, Benjamin Boone doesn't count. I will, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. Ron Campbell, your short wrestling career was any, I was well, you were, you were in there with Vu who kind of, I was going to say, unless Jerome Phillips doesn't count, then no, I've not wrestled a bear. All right. Well, Ryan Campbell, you have won this. You are 30% Arnold to Chad's Oof. 20% Arnold. Oh, so. the penguin got me there or the cigar the penguin, the penguin or the cigar put you <laughs> over the top. If I was Excellent. penguin smoking a cigar, that would have been even better. Oh, 
Yeah, that would have. It would have been a twofer. Okay. Well, I think, you know, we have had a great Arnold episode. We've got more things coming up on the website, of course. Check it out, bulletproofaction.com. I know uh, Legacy of Lies, Scott Atkins, we talked about him earlier. I'm sure we'll be covering that one. I've got a special 10 Things You Didn't Know About They Live coming up at the end of the month. And Ryan, I know you're also excited because the Umbrella Academy is returning soon. Yeah, yeah, I am. Just finished up Snowpiercer this week with a pretty awesome finale. Um, you know, I mentioned in my review if I think there will be a season two. Um, but I am excited for season two of Umbrella Academy coming up later this month. Chad Cruz, anything you want to uh, talk about? Uh, anything you got in the works? Yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of Ido Agami, Lone Wolf and Cub stuff. Uh, it broke out the Criterion Collection Blu-rays on those recently, and and uh, I've got a piece coming up on that. Um, yeah, I just finished uh, Netflix's Kingdom, uh, not the MMA show, but the Korean historical Korean zombie show, which was fantastic. So I got something coming up on that, but yeah, that's right, about so it. Some, some, something, some stuff to look forward to bulletproofaction.com. Something new on there every day. We are out of time though. This is a, probably our supersized edition, but Arnold, you deserve it for yeah. Chad Cruz for Ryan Campbell. I am Chris, the brain. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more of the bulletproof podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.